0: All right, guys, obviously it's time to get into The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. But watching a movie like this, it makes me wonder, is demonic possession really a thing? We don't need to get into the whole religion aspect. We don't need to alienate any audiences. But let's just talk specifically about demonic possession. Is this real? Is this happening, do we
1: think? I don't know if we need to call it demonic But, I mean, Mm. our very podcast has been possessed by the vengeful spirit of Mark Hamill. Oh, that's true.
0: That's true, actually. Um, I guess he was more of a malevolent figure, though, because really the worst thing he did was trap us in a time loop so we had to watch Palm
1: Springs a bunch. I can think of worse fates. That is true. That is true. At least he didn't make us watch his terrible performance in Return of the Jedi over and over. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been something.
2: What do you think, Keith? It is a weird coincidence that the man possessed in this movie, his name is Mm-hmm. Arnie.
1: I'm I'm so happy we finally have a main character with the name Arnie, because that's the only reason this movie ended up on our schedule. We're
0: already through. We're done talking about possession. Now we have to talk about something even more serious. And I do mean this. If anybody out there is named Arnie listening, what I'm about to say, I don't mean it in a mean way. All I will say is any I don't know what it is about this name. Whenever any character says Arnie, whether they're like joking or being serious, it's hysterical. (laughs) It is just such a funny name. Like watching his girlfriend like, Arnie, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Arnie, Arnie, let's go pet the dogs. I think James Wan wrote that part, actually. He is the man that let Patrick Wilson say, I am the Ocean Master,
1: after all. oh man, and his film The Trench is now no longer happening. Ugh. We're not getting enough James Wan anymore. Disgusting. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three paranormal investigators with nothing better to do. I'm Austin Terry, and I like to drink holy water. I'm Keith Baker, and I will break the curse.
0: And I'm Matt Johnson, and believe it or not, the devil is actually making me do this review.
1: On today's show, we'll be discussing the latest addition to the Conjuring franchise, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. But first, Matt, our newest bonus series starts back up later this week. Are you excited to talk about Loki?
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I've been really loving the trailers. We've talked about it before, but this was like the one Disney Plus show that was announced that I had zero interest in just because I wasn't really looking forward to seeing regression in terms of the Loki character. But like I said, after those trailers, I'm pretty excited. And it feels like we just got Falcon and Winter Soldier and we kind of did, but it's crazy it's already here. So I'm really excited for it. I'm excited for any cameos that might be in there oh, we got to get some good ones. I I have to feel like there's going to be some surprises.
1: We've been hoping for good cameos in all of these Disney Plus shows, and we haven't really gotten like a stellar one yet. That is true. I don't know, Keith. I don't know if you want to go into that expectation.
2: We did get Don Cheadle for like a
1: second. That's true. Oh, that That is true. That is true. We do love Don Cheadle. Well, how about this then?
0: We didn't have the honor and privilege of doing this with WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier. We had some disappointments, I guess, once we got into the show with cameos that we were hoping for. But right now, let's lock it in. That way we can look back and see how we did, basically. What cameo will we get in Loki? You only get one pick. Who do you have your money on? Thanos. Oh, Ooh. I could see that. I could see that. I think. I
1: think we're going to see a bit more of the Loki-Thanos relationship in this one.
0: That actually would be pretty cool, I because for, I forgot that they that was kind of a thing that, we, that happened off-screen, technically, but that could be good. What do you think, Keith?
2: I'm thinking we might get some Chris Hemsworth as Thor.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I would like to see Loki and Groot interact, I think, more than anybody else in the MCU. So there's no way it will happen, and I shouldn't put money down on it, but you know what? I want to see it, so I'm going to say Groot.
1: I'd be down for some Groot. Uh, that's a pretty easy cameo, too. You just need Vin Diesel to say some lines, just the, well, you, the one line. <laughs> you so, can just yeah. not
0: pay him and reuse it from like the last million times he's had to say
1: it. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: I, was about to say, I don't know if they have it in the budget to pay him $50 million to, to say those <laughs> yeah, lines they don't again. Yeah, they'll have a
1: <laughs> spare 50 for Vin. Who knows if they can pull him away from Fast 9, too. I mean, oh, he's got gosh. so much work going on in that franchise. I know. Why would anybody want to pull him away from it, you know? He probably could have pulled him away about five films ago. No, but, you know. no,
0: no, 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 no. no.
1: Okay, well, be on the lookout for Matt and Keith's uh, retrospective on the Fast and Furious franchise. (laughs) And with that, everybody, let's get into our main topic for today. Debuting in 2013, the Conjuring franchise now spans eight movies, three Conjuring films, and five spinoffs. While the spinoffs have been hit or miss, the first two Conjuring films are widely regarded as some of the best horror movies of the modern era. The latest edition, The Devil May Be Do It, breaks away from the traditional haunted house story in favor of a crime thriller. The film also sees Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga return for their third outing as the Warrens to face down our latest supernatural threat. Does The Conjuring 3 live up to the scares of its predecessors? Well, that's what we're here to discuss today. Matthew and Keith, give me your history with this franchise and some non-spoiler thoughts on The Conjuring 3.
2: Yeah, uh, my history with the franchise. First saw The Conjuring in theaters. I don't know. I don't remember who I saw it with. I might have seen it with you guys when it first came out. Uh, loved it right off the bat. And then rewatched it recently when we did our uh, best horror Halloween brackets. Conjuring 2, just watched it for the first time the other day to prepare for this episode. And I got to say, I think Conjuring 2, it might be equal with Conjuring 1.
1: I think Conjuring 2 gets a little overlooked, Keith. I think Conjuring 2 is pretty, pretty scary. I think it might be the scariest out of the three of these. And so, yeah, going into
2: Conjuring 3, I did like the new direction it took, the crime thriller storyline. Um, and But, yeah, it just didn't do it for me as far as uh, it being all that scary. So, that's where I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah, um, if I had had more time this week, honestly, I probably would have tried to watch more of these, knowing that they're all on HBO Max. But... As it stands now, I've only seen The First Conjuring, and I've seen it probably three times, and I've always liked it. I think it's a really good movie. The scares, as time goes on, doesn't work for me as much, but it's still really well made, and I think James Wan just did a great job, and he just knows how to make stuff feel so tense. And with this movie, I was excited because I just wanted to be back in this world, and I think Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, they're as good as ever. But yeah, I guess I'm kind of with Keith. I I definitely appreciated and liked the idea that they set up in the beginning of this not being a haunted house type thing. It's a bit different. It's a crime thriller, but set in the horror genre. I mean, that that sounded pretty cool, and I was looking forward to that. But unfortunately for me, it just wasn't scary at all, which is fine as long as it's kind of compelling and good and interesting. And there's definitely highlights and good moments, but... I think ultimately I was a little bit disappointed. I just didn't get too engaged with the main story, but I would still recommend it.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think I'm kind of in line with both of you guys. For me, with the Conjuring franchise, I'm a huge fan of one. Two, I think, has, a, has the scariest demon. I think Keith has a good point. I think two might actually be scarier than one as time has gone on. Um, as for the spinoffs, I, I haven't really gone beyond the first Annabelle movie um, and, and the first one I did like, but then I heard the other two were pretty bad. And then for three, kind of like you guys have said, it's not a very scary movie. So if, if you're a horror fan and you're coming into this one looking for like a, a really good horror movie, you're not going to find that here. But I did uh, find myself more interested and more engrossed in the actual crime drama than I expected to, especially going into a horror movie, because I, I don't think you usually care about like the main plot uh, for the most part in horror films
2: yeah I really like the you know I kind of wish we could have gotten a little bit more of like the courtroom scenes and how they were able yeah. to justify that it was manslaughter instead of murder. You kind of get the whole story with the warrants collecting the evidence on that, but you really don't get the execution of it in court which i could have i would have liked to have seen
0: yeah that's a good point i I wouldn't say I didn't like that, but I was surprised that um again, without spoiling anything yet the movie i it's It just didn't focus on what I thought it was. Uh, Whenever it kind of was set up as a crime thriller, I thought we were going to get some more courtroom stuff. But again, I get it, because how do you make that scary? But there really was none of it, which kind of surprised me, too. And because of that, by the end, whenever they basically tell you what happened in real life, I definitely had some questions that I expected the movie would have answered. But oh, well.
1: Yeah, I think they really had like a good um, like investigation story written. And then I think once they got through like the outline of this film, they're like, oh, crap, we have to make it scary. And then it just like went back in and went with some cheap scares that didn't really work too well, especially if you're going to stamp The Conjuring on on the title of this one and actually make it like a a numbered sequel to the other two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Okay, well, those are some of our non-spoiler thoughts. We are going to throw up a spoiler warning right here. So if you have any interest in The Conjuring 3, I think we'd all say at least go check it out and then come on back to hear our thoughts. All right, let's get into our movie facts. Matt, can you run down the log line for The Conjuring 3? Yes, so The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, is a chilling story of
0: terror, murder, and an unknown evil that shocked even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. One of the most sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before to mark the first time in U.S. history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defense so first of all yeah so that's the log line (laughs) and before we get into too much later on they kept saying this in the movie like this is the craziest thing we've ever seen and as someone that's only seen the conjuring i was like no (laughs) this doesn't seem that crazy for you guys yeah and they said the same thing in conjuring 2
2: this one was the most haunting for lorraine yet and then they, they go in this one this one was the most sinister. Yeah, they said sinister,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're wanting us to like take these movies like in the context of where they're at in their careers, because I think this one takes place 10 years after Conjuring mm-hmm. 1. Keith, at the time of 2, it was like, well, here we are now, and this has been the most scary yet, and now mm-hmm. we're at 3, and it's like, this was the most one. So maybe that's what it's supposed to be.
2: Yeah, maybe.
1: Okay, so Matt, we've mentioned... uh Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, can you run down the rest of our casting crew?
0: Yeah, so the thing right off the bat that's different and we have to note is this was directed by Michael Chaves, not James Wan. And Michael Chaves is known for directing the other Conjuring Universe film, The Curse of La Llorona. This one was written by David Leslie Johnson McAldrick. And yeah, like I also mentioned at the top, the story did have James Wan contribute to it, but we're not really sure how much. The movie score is composed by Joseph Bashara. And then our cast, of course, we have Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren and Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren. Those are our two returnees. We have Ruero O'Connor as Arnie Johnson, Sarah Catherine Hook as Debbie Glatzel, Julian Hilliard as David Glatzel, and Eugene Bondurant as the occultist. So, guys, what were your highlights, positive or negative?
2: Uh, Yeah, for me, we already mentioned it, Vera and Patrick. Outstanding as usual. They're really believable as, as playing these paranormal investigators uh, for sure. Another one to shout out would be um Ruer O'Connor as Arnie Johnson. Arnie. Um no, I, yeah, I thought he did it pretty well and it was believable that he was possessed and I don't know. I think everybody I, was, I don't really I don't know if I can really pinpoint one particular person in this one. I think everybody did a pretty decent job at playing these creepy roles.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a shockingly small cast for like a movie of this kind of caliber. Um Sarah Catherine Hook, I guess I'll just take the other one. I like the character yeah. of Debbie, and I like how, how her and Arnie's relationship kind of uh, mirrors the relationship of Ed and Lorraine. And I like how mm-hmm. they kind of kept finding more ways for both of those two to be involved in the main plot as well.
0: Yeah. That's a really good yeah. call. Um, I agree with everything you guys have said. So just to keep it a little bit different, I don't want to dog on the guy too much. I haven't seen Curse of La Llorona, so I don't know if this is what I should have expected. But when you watch this movie, I guess we kind of already teased. It's like if you made somebody watch the first two Conjuring movies and this one, I think even somebody that didn't know the director would go, OK, one guy directed the first two and then someone else directed the third one. It's just it's not that it had to be James Wan, but you can just tell that it wasn't. It just feels really different. And I don't like the style of this one as much. And it there was something kind of missing for me. And I think that might be what it was.
1: I totally agree with that. I don't know why you would pick the guy who directed the spinoffs that aren't considered very good to come in and direct yeah, your right. main Conjuring like, sequel. I, I,
0: that one was supposed to be like really bad, and yeah, they could of course correct it. I mean, they could have. I mean, they know very that easily too, and it also didn't make very much money. So I'm I'm shocked that this was the guy they went with. Yeah, totally agree.
1: Especially because like the numbered Conjuring films are really good, and so it just doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't want James Wan involved in this one too.
0: Yeah, or just get somebody from. A better movie, I guess. I don't know.
1: Guillermo da Toro.
0: Oh, man. That'd be awesome. So, Keith, even though this is a new movie, we always love hearing about any fun facts or production nightmares. So what do we have for this one?
2: Yeah, I'll run through some quick trivia here. You know, this one just came out, so I'm sure the trivia will still take a little bit to build up here uh, for Mm -hmm. it. But from what I do got, I'll just run through a quick list and you guys just comment whenever. Okay, quick, fun one. Uh, In the prologue of the movie, when Ed and Lorraine are performing an exorcism, there is a shot of Father Gordon showing up and exiting from the cab, which pays tribute to the horror masterpiece The Exorcist, 1973. I don't know if y'all seen The Exorcist. Yeah, with him in yeah. the
1: suitcase under the light post.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. The working title of the movie was plainly The Conjuring 3. However, later it was changed to The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, as a direct reference to the infamous 1981 Arnie Johnson trial that the movie's about.
1: Yeah, that's funny, Keith, because I actually remember seeing posters for this movie like a, lo- a while ago that had The Conjuring 3 like as the title. I guess whenever they got closer to development, I didn't realize that they changed it, because I always thought this was just The Conjuring 3.
2: Yeah, me too. I keep calling it The Conjuring 3. <laughs> I keep forgetting to say The Devil Made Me Do It. So yeah, both The Conjuring 2 and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It feature Lorraine's visions and her ability to project. The Conjuring, the first one, did not really dive into those exact visions, which I kind Mm -hmm. of forgot. Yeah, we really didn't get too much of that in The
1: Conjuring. It weirdly feels like the dream projecting stuff from another James Wan movie, Insidious. Yeah, Yeah,
2: very similar. That's true. We already know this one. First Conjuring movie not directed by James Wan. An interesting fact after Wan directed Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2, uh, but not Insidious Chapter 3, which was directed by uh, Lei Whannell. So it looks like he, James Wan, has a uh, thing for dropping out when he gets to the third film.
0: Oh, okay. Huh. I'm looking forward to Michael Chaves directing Aquaman 3. So in the prologue,
2: they had, you know, the exorcism that went wrong with the eight year old David. For those scenes, they actually hired a contortionist named Emerald Wolf, who is a 12 year old girl. And so there was no special effects for whenever they're, you know, whenever he's contorting his body and the, and the devil's taken over and all that. That was all actual contortion of the body. Oh, that's cool. By this little girl named uh, Emerald, who's a contortionist. And so the only special effect they had, obviously, was CGIing Julian's Jillian's face onto hers.
0: Yeah, that was, that was pretty scary. I really liked the opening of the movie in general, actually.
2: Yeah, and so, yeah, she was actually able to twist her, it said here, it just mentioned, she was actually able to twist her head around. Ugh. That's, that's so weird. <laughs> No, scary. <laughs> so yeah, Austin, um, with that being said, why don't you lead us into the critical reception? What do people think of this movie so far?
1: Okay, so I've got Roger Ebert here, Collider and Polygon, and uh, none of the critics appear to be enjoying this movie. Uh, RogerEbert.com was not a fan of the film. They gave it two stars, stating, quote, there's a point in Michael Chabes, frustrating and only sparsely scary, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, when you realize something. If you abandon your desire to watch a terrifying haunted house movie and settle for the investigative thriller that you have in front of you instead, you might have a decent time. Uh, they went on to say that The Conjuring 3 does not live up to its predecessors. It's full of hollow jump scares and uninteresting secrets. They did feel that it works as a police thriller, but it is unlikely to impress horror fans. Uh, and for a couple positives, they did praise cinematographer Michael Burgess's effects and camera work, and they enjoyed seeing Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga back as the Warrens, but they wish they had a more interesting story to return to.
0: Yeah, I kind of think that's where
2: I'm at for the most part. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I guess these are real people. So, I mean, I'm sure not every case of theirs is going to be as exciting as the one before. But still, I mean, if you're trying to go for the entertainment aspect of it, I guess, yeah, I would agree with some of that.
1: Well, speaking of kind of the Warrens being real people, Keith, uh, Collider also was not very high on the film. They gave the film a C-minus. And they stated, quote, It simply feels like another episode of a series rather than a sequel that builds or expands the Conjuring universe in any way. For those looking for the brand of horror these movies provide, they'll probably be sated, but you can't shake the feeling that this franchise has become too staid to be scary. They argue that The Devil May Be Do It shows that the Conjuring franchise has settled into a formulaic approach with its movies, and a change of director does little to add anything new to the series. The Warrens are still all good and must defeat the evil threatening a new family. They felt that the 1981 setting and satanic panic of the time could have added more wrinkles to the story and given something beyond the supernatural to challenge the Warrens and their beliefs. But instead of choosing new directions to take the franchise, the Devil Made Me Do It opts for more of the same as the rest of the franchise. This is
0: one of those times I guess I'm just kind of in line with the critics. And the the main thing is I just really am surprised that they did such a different story. and. I'm all I'm always down for iterations and variation and change on on stuff but this one I it almost feels like it couldn't have been scary with how much they focus on a mystery so in a weird way I yeah I I'm just I'm just surprised that they changed it so much because there wasn't really even a lot of room to put in scares and the ones that were there the few weren't very good so whenever they talk about will horror fans appreciate this I can't imagine I I don't think they will
1: Yeah and uh Collider also was really wanting like because the satanic panic of the, of the 80s and stuff really was not real at all. Like Satanists weren't coming to kill everybody's kids. But this movie argues that, yes, they were real. And so they were really wanting to see the Warrens kind of be confronted with that moral ambiguity of the time. They felt like this movie had a really interesting moment to kind of challenge the Warrens' beliefs a little bit. Uh, but ultimately opted to just kind of leave them as our like all good heroes for this franchise.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe they should have put a little bit more courtroom scenes in there to kind of show that. We just didn't get any explanation of why they finally made the verdict that they did. And like you said, the, the few jump scares that were in there kind of just felt like they were just put in there just, to, just so they could say that they had some scares in there. They really didn't really add to anything to the story.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and, and lastly here, uh, Polygon really seemed to miss James Wan, uh, stating, quote, Unfortunately, the latest installment of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, lacks both Wan's direction and the richness that made the first two Conjuring films so enjoyable. They were happy that this one tried to do something beyond another haunted house, but felt that director Michael Chaves failed to blend the crime and horror genre effectively. They also felt that early on the film had some unique scares, but as the movie went on, they got less interesting. Ultimately, they felt the newest film wasn't completely bad, but did end up feeling like another spinoff instead of a direct sequel to the James Wan movies. I think I would agree with all of that. Yeah, definitely felt like a spinoff. Um, okay, so it sounds like we're all kind of in line with the critics. Uh, with that, let's get in to our roundtable discussion.
2: Okay, I'll start us off here. So, kind of like we just discussed in the intro of the episode, um, you know, with the whole Conjuring franchise as a whole. What are you guys' thoughts in the first two movies? Kind of give me like a rundown of the first one and the second one, and then how it compares to this one. Um, If you've watched the spinoffs as well, like Annabelle and the other ones.
1: I think all three that you mentioned there, Keith, are better than this one. I think Conjuring 1 and 2 are are super good. And I think Annabelle, while it's not as good, uh, I think it does have some really creepy moments. Um, especially towards like kind of the third act of that film, and then this one, I felt like it opened up really promisingly and had some pretty pretty decent scares, especially when David was being haunted. But then the further we got away from kind of like the haunting house and all that stuff, like it, I I just felt like as a scary movie, it got very uninteresting.
0: Um, yeah, like I said at the top, I've only seen the first Conjuring, and I think it still holds up for the most part. And yeah, this one, it, it just feels like a spinoff in comparison. It just feels like it's just not quite in line with what where they started, essentially. And it's not because this is not a haunted house movie like they referenced it earlier. It's just, I don't know. It just feels like the focus is on the wrong things, kind of like we talked about. Even though the scares in the first one don't hold up for me as well, I still think they're all better than anything in this one. And this one, it, I don't know. This one just had weird, cheap fake-outs, and then even the ones that weren't like a like a zombie, well, I guess not a zombie, but a body in a morgue coming back. In theory, that should be really scary, but it almost comes up as goofy, kind of. So, yeah, and then I was really, really interested in this whole idea of, you know, this person claiming demonic possession and, oh, the Warrens are involved? That's kind of cool. How's that going to go? And once again, it just feels like the focus is on the wrong things and in favor of this weird occultist plot that didn't really get any satisfying payoff for me. So. Yeah, even though I'm I have a limited knowledge of this franchise, I can at least compare it to the first one and I think they're pretty far apart in terms of quality, unfortunately.
1: And I was actually pretty interested in like the whole witch haunting and, and putting a curse on people. Uh but I felt like we also didn't get enough of that. Like I think this movie takes like a lot of like entry roads, I guess you could call it, but then never like goes any deeper than just like here's something cool, but now we're not gonna go back to it.
2: Yeah, like her dad, the the, the father Kind of a creepy kind of guy, but I mean, you could tell he was good and he had like good intentions, but he just made some mistakes down the line. But uh, yeah, you never really didn't get more of that story. Like you said, Austin,
1: especially since he has his own room, like similar to what they have. Yeah, like, that yeah. could have been really
2: cool. He's like yeah. the older version of them. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, I liked the line he said. He's like, I'm just taking the guns off the street. Uh, so, Matthew, you haven't seen Conjuring 2 yet. That one's scary as shit. Oh, I think I oh felt like that that's kind of that's one that uh, gave me goosebumps while I was watching the entire thing. So and I was kind of going into this one. After that one, I kind of was on a high from that one. So I went into this one expecting kind of the same feeling and just was never got that. I just didn't feel scared at all.
1: Well, let's talk about, uh, even though there's not too much of it, let's talk about just kind of some of the general scares. There's two that stood out to me. Uh, When David is first being haunted and he's in the bathtub and you see the demon hands kind of blending in with the the curtain rod rings, that Mm kind of made me jump a little bit. And then I also did really enjoy the waterbed, like, kind of dead body coming up, like, underneath the actual mattress. I thought that was pretty cool, too.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the beginning of this movie really captured the scary moments for me. And all the stuff with Mm -hmm. David was really where all the scary moments, the good scary moments were.
0: You see, I thought some of that stuff was cool, but none of it scared me. Like, I liked the idea of the possessed person seeing things differently and then basically them cutting away and then showing actually what it is. Same thing whenever ed almost stabbed lorraine and he thought he was killing the occultist essentially like there's some cool moments there even at the end when lorraine is like weirdly maneuvering through these tunnels and there's like doubles of her like she's seeing weird shit like some of that stuff was cool but it never got to a place where it scared me um i mean the biggest offender like we talked about it like just cheap jump scares is this there? there's this really amazing atmospheric moment when They're investigating where somebody died, and then just on a whim, uh, Lorraine is, like, dragged into her own little dream world, whatever you want to call it. And it just completely changes the environment, and it's really creepy. And it's like, oh, no, there's a hand behind the tree. Something's about to come out. And then it's just, oh, Katie. It's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) I was so excited to
1: see what it was going to be. Because that hand was creepy. It was the same demon hand that was on the shower, too. Yeah, Yeah. So... Sure, there's a couple moments
0: that made me jump, but it's just because they turn up the music real loud and you know flash something at the screen. So yeah, and the the first Conjuring had that too, but they still had amazing moments. I always go to Bathsheba on top of the um, Uh, the cupboard or whatever you want to call it, and then of course, like one of my favorite scares in any movie is the payoff of the uh, hand clap game where she gets locked in the basement and you you just see the hands come out of the darkness and clap in front of her. So. At least they gave us jump scares and good, like, creative stuff. And this one just didn't really work for me.
1: I, I mean, I think I don't love jump scares, but I, th- I think every horror movie needs them because you need that, like, you need that whole moment of where a, a jump scare gets you and you're in a theater, it gets you, you jump, and then you like turn to the person next to you and like you realize they got, they got jumped by it too. And you both have that moment of like, haha, that was cool. And then you're back into the movie. So I feel like you need those moments in scary movies, but you can't, that can't be your only scares. Like you have to have other unique scares to actual kind of make it a memorable horror movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um... Actually, I think the scariest moment of the movie is that scene where Lorraine almost falls off a cliff because the CG was so bad, it made me afraid. <laughs> I was I was just laughing at watching uh, um, Patrick Wilson run and dive to catch her. And it's just like, is he like, on a full green screen? This looks so weird.
1: <laughs> what do you think of uh, Arnie and the tree with the chainsaw? That at least put me on edge. It didn't scare me, but I was nervous staring at that scene. I thought something bad was going to happen there.
0: Uh, another scary thing I just thought of is that uh, us as an audience is left confused by the layout of this creepy ex-priest's home, and he acts like he hasn't seen his daughter in forever, and it turns out she just lives, like, I don't know, <laughs> <No>. five <laughs> seconds away in a tunnel. Like, what? Yeah, that I was, was so, so confused. Weird. He was like, I haven't seen her. And it's like, it turns out she's, like, right there. They basically live together, <laughs> and then her returning to kill him doesn't feel as... It just feels weird. It's like, did he know she was in there? Like I was so confused. Yeah.
1: He's also like, There's tunnels all over this island. Who knows where she could be? Her lair is just on the other side of his closet. It's like <laughs> if you really looked, <laughs> you could have put an end to this a long time ago.
2: And the tunnels weren't even that long. They were like they were maybe like thirty square foot long. <laughs> was, they, were, they were just <laughs> running in circles the whole
0: time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was weird, man. So all the Conjuring movies, as we know, are based off, you know, real life people, events, and the documentation following Ed and Lorraine Warren's investigations and whatnot. You know, does this being, you know, based off real life events, does this change your guys' perspective watching these movies versus going into fictional horror movies? Or does it, or are you going into it the same way?
1: I mean, the whole, like, based on a true story for a horror movie, I, I feel like at this point it's such a cliche. Um, the, the thing for me with the Conjuring franchise is... I don't know how much you guys know about like the actual real life Warrens, uh, but they're kind of scumbags and like scam artists. And so I kind of wish we could have these movies like we could just call them something other than the Warrens. Like, I don't know why we need to use their name and like build them up to be people that they weren't actually in real life. Like, it's always been jarring for me with this franchise.
0: Yeah, I kind of have something similar that is more of a general thing. I'm curious what you guys think of this. I guess I'm only really thinking about it because this movie because of how they did it. Um, So when it comes to fictional, pretty easy to get on board, even though if there's just like a little elements here and there that they took. Like, that's cool. And you can get engaged maybe a bit more easily. But when it comes to horror and just nonfiction stories, I honestly feel a little bit icky sometimes. And it's a little bit like what Austin said. He talks about, "Eh, it's kind of weird that the Warrens are the hero when they were kind of scam artists in real life. Should we really be putting that out there? Um, The other example is, hey, if demonic possession is real and Arnie Johnson really only served five years for stabbing a guy 22 times, cool. But I don't (laughs) think it's real personally. So that just means that this sympathetic character is a monster. And it's like the movie's telling us, no, he wasn't. He was a good guy. And at the end of the movie, he and Debbie got married and they're still married to this day. It's like, cool but i just feel a little bit weird sometimes with the real life stories with like real people especially like people that killed or hurt somebody and then it's like actually it wasn't their fault and it's like uh there's a it's a weird line to walk and the first conjuring movies didn't have to deal with that because it was just about like a small story about a possession where nobody really ended up getting hurt and then they were fine whereas this one there's a dead guy involved. So
1: it can be a little bit weird. I
0: mean, did, does that bother you guys ever? Do you, do you ever think about
1: that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great point. That's exactly what I was going to say is because like you said, that the first two Conjuring movies, it's just a haunted house and some weird shit happened to a family. That's way easier to, to spin off into the story where you can root for the family versus, hey, our main character, Arnie Johnson, murdered a guy and we're going to tweak the story to fit our movie and make the audience want to root for him and his sweet relationship with Debbie.
0: It doesn't make the movie. It doesn't make the movie any worse. It's just something no. that I can sometimes catch myself thinking about when I don't want to. If that makes sense.
1: Well, it's hard too when the opening and closing lines of the movie is based on a true story. Like they want you thinking about it too while you're watching this film. But the thing is, like when you're watching Conjuring, maybe this movie is different than the the first two. But you're, if you're watching Conjuring
2: one, and especially Conjuring two, like you said, Austin, that could, you could easily just change the names and not, you know, go into it not having to worry about these real life people. Because uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't need it. I don't really care to go read about these people too much.
1: The other side of that, though, is Keith. Like with one and two, the fact that it's based on a true story, I think, kind of makes those more interesting. Because for me, it it is actually fun to go look up, like, wow, what what is this family saying happened to them? Yeah. But they're also not using demonic stuff as a murder defense either. Like, I think it's yeah, way yeah. more interesting to be like man that's kind of crazy they had something like screaming at them in the night or something like that like and i also do kind of like how they play the exorcism tapes too at the end of these movies like the real ones like all of that i think adds unique elements it's just hard when the main character you're setting him up to be somebody the audience is going to root for and then in real life he murdered somebody and tried to get away with it using demonic as his defense
2: yeah no that's a good point yeah because all the families in the first two are For the most part, unless they made some of it up, or for the most part are innocent in the fact that, yeah, they didn't commit murder. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Their worst crime is that they just made up uh, a story about their house being haunted.
0: Did you guys um, watch the credits of this movie where they show some of the pictures and, like, uh, audio stuff? Did you watch any of that? Yeah. Yeah. I was dying of laughter, dude. Like, I'm not even (laughs) joking. When they play this tape, I was shocked. I was I was thinking about the opening scene of the movie and how dire everything is, and there's literally a scene where the mom she just sounds like this. She's like, "David, let go of my son." <laughs> it's like he's supposedly like possessed, and it just it just felt like somebody back in the eighties, like, "Let's just have fun, you know, let's just record this fun thing," and then it got out and became a thing. But I was laughing. He's like, "Get away, get out of here. That's my son. Don't touch him." Like it's, it it made me giggle. And then there's just like some weird laughter here and there that sounds like it could have been just somebody else doing it. I don't know. It it got me. I thought it was funny.
1: Get out. Get out. You get out of him right now.
0: You get Get out out. of him. That's my son. Yeah. You're Ed. Come on. Leave the boy alone. (laughs) That's all you hear from Leave the boy (laughs) alone.
1: The the Warrens are known for that too. Like kind of giving their subjects like leading lines of what they need them to say while they're recording like stuff like that to make it seem more real.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh boy.
1: I mean, have you looked up photos of the Warrens? If you picture a scam artist in your head, it's exactly what these two look like. They do not look like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah.
0: It's like that one time when Ben Affleck, a white guy, played a, a Latino in, in Argo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, okay, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, I think we all agree the scares really don't work in this one. But uh, for me, I was actually pretty engrossed in the actual mystery and in- an investigation that the movie was setting up. I was pretty happy to see, at least from the intro, that the demonic stuff went a little deeper than just another haunted house or an angry spirit. How did you guys feel about like the whole witch's curse and the Warrens kind of tagging in to help with the murder investigation?
0: I, I thought it was okay at times. And other times, it wasn't bad. Just I was a bit bored, I guess. Like I thought it was cool whenever they tagged along with that one detective, I guess, to go find where previous person had died that might have some ties to what's going on essentially. Like, there were some cool scenes there. Um, but just overall, I guess when after you finish it and look back on it, it just is a little bit messy. And yeah, I guess the worst thing I can say is I was just a little bit bored, especially once they introduced this occultist who's like this weird inverse of Lorraine in a weird way, has the same power, I guess. Um and and then they kind of reveal at the end that essentially her motive was just the father's like, and because I was involved in the occult, she grew up and she ended up getting more of an interest in that. So it's like, oh, so she's just really interested in it? Like, why is she, why are they doing this? <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought there was, based on it being a mystery and having this kind of interesting figure kind of lurking in the background, I thought there was going to be more of a payoff. So. Another thing that kind of surprised me, not in a good way. I just didn't think any of that really amounted to anything cool, except for a select few scenes along the way, like when Lorraine um, has that crazy vision whenever she's in the woods. I mean, there, there's cool stuff for sure, but it just doesn't come together for me.
1: Yeah, I um, I was super interested in like the totem and all that stuff of her like leaving them behind and, and like why these two cases were connected. I think that the question-wise in this movie are way more interesting than the actual reveals. Like They were all kind of uh, lackluster by the time we got to the actual end of the film. The thing that was driving me insane, though, with the occultist is if she is in their house placing a totem to curse Ed Warren, how does she not find their room with Annabelle and all the other haunted stuff? Like How did that not play a role? How does she not like take some of that and use it by, like, the third act of the film to make, like, more creepy shit happen. Like, I don't understand how this occultist gets into their building. There's all this crazy shit in their basement, and she just leaves it there? Like, that doesn't interest her at all? Yeah, I thought she I thought she was a big fan of the occult. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I
0: don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought... Uh, and some of those scenes were just confusing. It's already kind of a leap when Lorraine is doing this weird like visions and sensing stuff or whatever. It was kind of another thing when like Ed's just walking around the house and he sees the villain and it's like, oh, that's cool. And then it turns out it was Lorraine that he almost stabbed. It's like, so how does this work? Yeah. Like, so it, you, you're you trying to set up that she can do the same thing as Lorraine, but then Ed sees it too because he, do, he doesn't see Lorraine's weird dream world. So
1: Ed was cursed like Arnie, though. So he saw like remember when he saw his landlord as like a werewolf. It was It was that same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Because she yeah. need, she needs Ed to murder somebody and then commit suicide. Same with Arnie. Arnie Arnie murdered somebody, and his next step for the curse was suicide.
2: But did the witch? Did she have some sort of like teleportation power or something like that in some way? Because remember, she's like standing at the doorway at the at the at the uh, the top of the stairs, looking at her dad, yeah. and all of a sudden she just teleports behind him
0: and slits his throat.
1: Yeah, it's it's super unclear what her abilities are. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. Um, she also has weird fairy dust that she blows into people's faces to,
1: uh, I guess, possess them. I, I laughed at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just, especially like when, when Ed finds the totem and he's like, she was in our house. And like they all like look terrified on their faces. Why is the next scene not them running to the basement where they keep all their stuff and like not noticing some things are gone? Like I don't understand how that didn't play a role in this movie. Yeah, oh, I didn't even think about it, but it's a good yeah. question.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of naturally set me up there, but what did you guys think? Was this as muddled as I thought it was? Because I was pretty at least intrigued, I guess, by the Arnie character and where that would go if there would be courtroom stuff. Not that we needed a lot of it, because I I know this is supposed to be a horror movie, but I just – it's not that I got confused. I was able to follow everything, but whenever it went from him – To now it's like, okay, to help Arnie, we need to find out how this curse originated, how it infected David. And then later on, it's like, oh, there might have been another example of this happening. And let's go look into that. And then it's like, oh, let's go talk to this crazy ex-priest who has a tunnel system where the main villain lives. And I guess they don't know that. So it's not that it's confusing. I I just didn't really love it. I mean... What would you guys have preferred with this movie? Do you think it should have focused more on one thing or did you like that it went from the opening story and then the possession transferring to Arnie and then kind of opening up to this whole
1: curse plot line within a cultist? Did did that work for you guys? Yeah, I kind of like you, Matt, I was a little bit confused, especially from the opening, because the opening is like an exorcism and then the curse is over for David. And it's like, oh, okay. So we we kind of came in on, on like the end of this investigation. Like I thought this was just gonna be like an opening haunting scene for our like scary movie. And then we switched yeah. to Arnie's perspective and we're on him for a while. It's like, oh, maybe Arnie's the main character. And then we cut back to day one of David moving into the house. And so from that point on, I was like, Oh, okay, I guess we're gonna see another haunted house story, but it's just gonna be from like an inverse order. But then we're only on like the haunted house stuff again for like one more scene, and then it's a murder investigation. So there was just so many avenues I thought this movie was headed from the beginning, and it never really went down any of them until we got like to the middle of the film.
2: I don't know. I really don't know what direction I would have liked for this one. I I just like I like the themes from the from the first two so much that I was kind of just hoping to go get one of those again, and not to be unoriginal, but I just I just like those. So I mean, I wouldn't have minded another one like that, but just bringing in. Bringing in a new a new kind of demon, um, maybe keeping the same haunted house theme or at least possession theme without the whole court case drama going on behind it.
1: I mean, it's mainly because of James Wan, but like the Conjuring, uh, like staple is a haunted house and possession, and James Wan does all that so well. Yeah. Uh, and clearly this director wanted to take it in a different direction, which I don't have any issue with trying to expand our world and maybe flesh out the Warrens a little bit more. But it doesn't seem like this one really took the opportunity to do either of that either.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah, not at all, unfortunately. Also, another question. I guess I must have missed the element of the movie where the whole – because by the end I understood the the whole thing of like the occultist has to die because they essentially made a deal with the devil where they'll complete this ritual and then they don't. So the devil or demon, whatever you want to call it, uh, kills them. It's like, okay, I got that. I guess I must have missed the line where it was like the whole purpose of it is to kill someone, then kill yourself. You guys saying that makes sense after seeing what they were trying to do to Arnie. So I understand that. But I'm a little bit confused because whenever they do the flashback to the girl that it happened to previously, she's clearly already possessed. She kills her friend and then doesn't she jump off a cliff and
1: die? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't isn't that the completion of it then? Or no? I think there was like a list. I think she needed three. Yeah, they had uh, to Yeah,
2: she had to have the the purist, which was David the Child. And then she had to have the lover, which was Arnie, then she had to have the man of faith, which was um
0: uh, Ed. That's right yeah, yeah that's I, com- right. I completely i completely missed that then okay so that makes a little bit more sense
1: and I, I like that too i like i like what like what they do in the evil dead movies too where they set up here's the recipe of what our demons are trying to accomplish like i, I like having all that because then for me as the audience it's like oh no i i know exactly what they're trying to do and and i'm really rooting for my characters to so stop that from happening like like you said that you totally missed it so like the demonic stuff in this movie this wasn't a forefront in this one. And, and that's fine if the investigation is interesting, but they just – everything just got so jumbled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The more I think about it, I know why they didn't call it The Conjuring 3. Honestly, they probably just made this decision later on because it's like – I think if we call it The Conjuring 3, people might be disappointed because it's really not focusing on horror as much as the other two – it's more of this different take, which is cool, like you said, but that must be why they made it a subtitle. But it kind of almost makes me wonder why they didn't go an extra step. Because I, if I re- if I remember correctly, I think Ed and Lorraine, at least a little bit, are in like the third Annabelle movie. Like, I think they play a big role in that one. So it's not like they can only be in The Conjuring movies. So it, maybe they should have just called this one something different, like The Devil Made Me Do It. I think having The Conjuring name on there, Keith, you've kind of talked about it a lot. It kind of sets up false expectations, I think. And yeah. that's okay to like have something different than you expect. But when you call something The Conjuring, it doesn't have to be a haunted house. It doesn't have to exactly be a possession. But it has to kind of fit into the mold, even if it's a different director. So yeah, this one just, yeah, it's not bad. I don't want to dog on it like a lot, but I just don't think it kind of fits this world.
1: It's certainly better than two of the three Annabelle movies and the Nun. So, oh, like, my God. At nun. least it's better than that. And The nun was awful. Uh, and here
0: is I hear, is terrible. So I guess this franchise isn't really loved. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a th- lot of bad thing, movies.
1: Though. That's the thing, though. That's why calling this The Conjuring is a big deal, though, Matt. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the first yeah. two are, are 100% success rate. And now we, just, we have our third one that's kind of a stinker. Um, on the note of things kind of needing to be scarier, though, when Arnie goes to prison and he's possessed, did you think shit was about to start getting pretty creepy, like, taking place in a 1980s prison? Because I thought we were headed for some good scares, and and ultimately it's just him chained with, like, a bed in a bunkhouse. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping to
2: get some, like, some other inmates getting possessed or something like that, and I thought he was going to get possessed again and start killing inmates thinking that he was some sort of demon, or thinking they were some sort of demon.
0: I It's another example of what I already talked about. I actually really liked a lot of the prison sequences. I thought they were interesting And I thought the actor did a really great job. Um, So I was engaged in those scenes. But when they tried to do the scares, yeah, that didn't work for me either. It just it felt like they were setting it up more. But ultimately, all we really get is, I think, like one jump scare after he spills the bucket, just like a face comes out of the dark. It's like, okay, like unless you're doing original jump scares, it just gets harder and harder because that stuff would have scared us 10 years ago. But after you see it like a 100 times, like a face like boo coming out of the dark, it kind of loses its luster. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Austin. I think those sequences really felt set up for some really good stuff because the imagery and the atmosphere was so creepy. So that was definitely a little bit disappointing.
1: Well, and speaking of jump scares, it's, it's something that um, a movie franchise, I, I hope we're going to talk about soon, but the Quiet Place franchise does, is they set things up to be a jump scare in those movies and they hold on the scene forever. Most of the time, nothing really pops out at you. And so it, it keeps you tense for the whole movie. And then when scary stuff happens, you're already tense, so it seems scarier. But in this movie, they they hold stuff on like that tree, for example, and you know something's going to pop out. And then all you're doing is just sitting there waiting for the jump scare. And it, it's only scary because you know a jump scare is coming. It's not scary because of what they're presenting to you on screen.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. That's your point. Exactly. Too much buildup. Speaking of buildup, Keith, we should talk about the future of this franchise, I think, before we close out here. So... Yeah, just in general, again, the biggest highlight of the movie, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, I think. They just have great chemistry, and they certainly do in this film as well. And it kind of made me think, what do you guys want for the future of this series? Like, what kind of stories do we want to see them tackle next in mainline Conjuring movies? Or what would you want to see from spinoffs, whether or not they have Ed and Lorraine in them?
1: Well, I have, I have a little bit of spinoff news for Keith. Uh, mm-hmm. Keith, I know you love The Conjuring too. after your viewing this week. The bent man, they're doing a spinoff Ooh. movie on that on that demon from The Conjuring 2.
2: That might be a good
1: one. It won't be though because it's a Conjuring spinoff, Keith. But oh. one of the best one of the best demons is going to be the focus of a spinoff. It's going to suck. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> oh, you wow. got my hopes oh, up for wow. nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would
0: even I would want to see. You have any ideas, Keith?
2: Uh, nothing I really haven't mentioned yet. I mean, yeah, I do kind of want it to go al- along with the main theme from the first two, maybe it doesn't have to be a haunted house. Maybe it could be a haunted prison or like a haunted hospital or something like that. And maybe it doesn't have to be so demon-like when it comes to um, like the devil and, and religion and all that. Maybe they can kind of switch gears and and find some other dark force that, that somehow takes a hold of uh, some people. I don't know.
1: I would be pretty interested in seeing like a two-part uh, Conjuring movie where like, because, like, the Catholic Church believes that they're at war with the devil, and the devil is trying to claim souls for his army. So I would love to see, like, a, a two-parter where, like, in the first one, the devil and the demons kind of win, and then the church needs Ed and Lorraine to come in and help them, like, kind of undo everything that happened from, like, part one of of a two-part movie. Oh, okay. yeah, hey, that could be cool.
0: That could be cool. Um... I also was surprised after hearing about the third Annabelle movie, which I know, like I said, has Ed and Lorraine in it. And I believe the main character of that movie is Judy, the daughter. And that character is in this movie, like briefly, and it kind of got me thinking, I'd like to see how that character could fit into this crazy world more and more of like a lead role in a future movie. I'd like to see um, maybe it's a spin off where she's the main character, because I think she's well, I guess I don't know for sure if she's like interested in any of her parents' stuff. But regardless, I think it'd be cool to see her join along for one of these crazy rides. Um, as for the spinoffs, I don't really have any expectations since I haven't seen them. Are there any things in that creepy room that they have that you guys want to see expanded on?
1: They've done the two big ones. They've done Annabelle and the nun. Yeah. have that weird samurai armor. There was, yeah, there was that. And they also had the uh, that
2: horn. Did y'all see the horn that was yeah. on the, the shelf? Mm-hmm. I was wondering what was going on with that.
1: I mean, I would just love to see a movie where, kind of like what I touched on with the occultists, but like they have all this stuff just like kind of in the open in their house. Like, I would love to see a movie where somebody breaks in and takes their shit and then lets like a multitude of demons out, kind of like. I don't know, like the Arkham City games or the Long Halloween that where Batman has like his greatest enemies come out to get him in one night. Like I would kind of want to see like a bunch of angry demons coming after Ed and Lorraine. I think that could be fun. Oh, yeah,
0: that'd be cool. I'd like to see more like a greatest hits in a weird way. Um, I wonder if they've maybe they've done that already. I don't know. But yeah, seeing just like elements of their past come back would be so cool because that was a big part of the first Conjuring, too, is this exorcism that went wrong that kind of scarred Lorraine.
1: Ed had also lost his faith in the Conjuring one, too.
0: Yeah. So anything to kind of flush out those stories or just kind of bring them back into the forefront might be something I'd like to see in a future Conjuring movie.
1: And that's another reason, too, why I kind of really agree with the Collider review that we talked about is like this movie takes place there in the Satanic Panic. And the movie itself just expects the audience to believe what Ed and Lorraine say, which is, yeah, Satanists are out real and they're out to get you. I would kind of like, I would really like to see them be confronted with like, maybe you're wrong about this one. Like Maybe this really is just some fake people making it up and this guy did murder somebody. I would like to see them actually challenged. Like Everybody in this world just takes what they have to say at face value and we move on.
2: Yeah. And you kind of
1: get that in the second one too.
2: Remember Austin in the second one? And I won't give too much away, Matthew. I know you haven't seen it yet, but they're kind of trying to figure out in the beginning if these people are faking it or not, because there was lots of evidence that that showed they actually could have been faking it.
1: Yeah. And other investigators had been called in and they deemed that their case wasn't worth investigating further.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I did like that part of the second one. So yeah, maybe, maybe they can expand on that. That'd be cool. I'd like to see that for sure.
1: All right, everybody. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping things up, but of course, before we get out of here today, we do need to do the Arnie's podcast awards. If you're new this week, this is a segment where we give an award to anything in this episode. Keith always starts us off. Keith, what is your award today?
2: My award today is something I brought up at the beginning of the episode, and that award will go to Arnie for being the fourth Arnie on this show. And I guess that award will be called the Fourth Arnie Award.
1: I like it. I really think we had a missed opportunity here to reach out to that actor and say, "Hey, you played a character named Arnie in your movie. Do you want to come on the Arnie's Podcast?" We really He'd probably be up. really confused and be like, "Do you only talk about?" Characters named Arnie's like I don't understand we this. only
2: review Arnold Schwarzenegger movies.
1: That's all we do. <laughs> oh Okay, yeah, I will right, we'll reach out. We'll see what we can find my award today is gonna go to Patrick Wilson's cane and It's the thump thump award Mainly because apparently if you get a cane after a heart attack, it keeps your heart beating because he's not taking his medicine So that's part of the thump thump is the thumping of his heart. That's newly saved by his cane <laughs> But then also he's just banging that thing on the ground everywhere he goes. he's just he's very loud he can't sneak around anywhere and anytime he walks into town they're hearing the thump of his cane on the ground and, and you know Ed Warren's in town
0: so inconsiderate, just chipping people's wood floors yeah he uses it to break into a morgue at one point as well. Um, oh, I did causing like a that lot shoot. of damage with that cane. I think that leads me into my ward, and it is the Patrick come on award why isn't this guy taking his medicine? (laughs) He had a pretty devastating heart attack. And I think at three different times in the movie, he forgets to take the medicine that will save his life. It does give us a very, very good moment at the end of the movie, though, whenever Lorraine opens up her locket that has a picture of their daughter in it. And it also has one uh, pill of Ed's that he can have in an emergency. I was like, that's a good scene. I like that. That was a good payoff. But It didn't change the fact that every time they panned over to his pill bottle, whenever he's leaving a room, it's like, God,
1: what are you doing? (laughs) It's also like he spends the whole movie telling us how much he loves Lorraine and how he he couldn't possibly live without her, but then he's actively trying to die for the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, he's trying to get away. (laughs) He's trying to get away clean. (laughs) Is it a cry for help? Maybe they don't have as good of a relationship as is presented on screen. Ooh, I have another twist. No. We'll see in the Conjuring 4. Conjuring
0: 4 divorce court oh maybe we'll finally get those courtroom scenes
1: (laughs) all right everybody well that's going to do it for us today thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content also if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show at the arnie's is our social and the arnie's.media is the website we'll be back next week for the return of the our favorite movie series this time around, we will be discussing one of Keith's favorite movies, Hell or High Water.
0: Ooh, Hell yeah. That'll be a good one.
1: Excited to rewatch that one. Haven't
0: seen it since the theaters, so that will be fun. Um, other than that, just stay tuned later this week because our bonus series is returning like we mentioned at the top. We will be reviewing each and every episode of Loki when they come out. The episodes are scheduled to come out every Wednesday so you can catch our reviews dropping every Friday.
2: Yeah, check us out on Instagram at The Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Like Matthew said, Loki's returning, so give us your theories on what's to come on that. And yeah, I will be uh, covering my thoughts on Hell or High Water, and I'm anxious to hear what Austin and Matthew's thoughts are on that as well.
1: All right, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. The devil made me do it. (laughs)